football season isn't going the way we wanted to. Some things you can't rely on. Some things you can't trust. Marcos Garza is not one of those things. I'm proud to partner with him for the Reeds Ranch podcast. If you find yourself or a loved one or a friend needing legal representation this football season, do the smart thing. Trust the Garza Law Firm. He won't let you down. He won't overthrow you. He won't underthrow you. He'll just throw it to you. 865-540-8300. That's the phone number. Online 24-7 at GarzaLaw.com. GarzaLaw.com, 865-540-8300. East Tennessee's premier DUI defense lawyer, criminal defense lawyer, and personal injury lawyer. Before you say guilty, say Garza. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. (laughs) But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. <laughs> Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. Eh, eh, 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch. It is Tuesday, 11-14. Seth, how are you, my friend? It's a pleasure to hear your voice as usual. Well, how you feeling? How you feeling? You sat here on the podcast and told everyone you had confidence in the offense. You had confidence that UConn had fixed Joe Milton. What do you have to say for yourself? I'm surprised we couldn't run the ball. I am. I think everyone's surprised by that. I'm surprised we couldn't run the ball. I don't think anybody saw Saturday coming. It's Josh Heifel's worst game as UT coach. I think it's not even close. Honestly, I think I don't even think it's close. It's by far his worst performance as head coach at UT. I would probably still go with South Carolina being a worse performance. Yeah, there's more on the line then. The only the, you looked lifeless. You looked lifeless on defense the entire game against South Carolina. Like I don't sure. think there was ever a point that you looked like you had it figured out. At least with Tennessee's offense, they had two drives in the first half. You're like, okay, this is okay. I just felt like against South Carolina last year, you didn't have a chance really ever. Yeah, I was like against South Carolina, we at least did the one thing we have come to expect Eiffel to do, and we we put up a ton of points and got a ton of yards. Saturday, the only person that played good was the punter. That's literally it. The punter's amazing. He's incredible. Yeah, he had such a terrible first game that everyone's like, "What the hell is this?" But he has been the best player on the team this year. He's awesome. Just a complete meltdown, a complete shit show. It wasn't embarrassing enough. I wish it was more embarrassing. The second half, if you told me just one half of football, maybe I would say that was the worst half of football for Josh Heupel. Yeah. I can't go the worst complete game, but the worst half. I mean, that you got your ass kicked. You did absolutely nothing on offense. And it was against Missouri. 
I, it wasn't embarrassing enough for my liking. I wish it had been much worse. I wish that there... I mean, I wish I had been a whole lot worse, honestly. I wish. It was plenty embarrassing for me. It was plenty terrible enough for me. I mean, I wish it was embarrassing enough to, like, force his hand completely like we did to Missouri two years ago. Like, after that game, like, everyone knew that Steve Wilkes wasn't coming back. You're talking about Tim Banks? Or just force his hand about anything. I mean, yeah, I would love Tim Banks to go. The finalist for top assistant in the country? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. This is one of those things. This is one of those things where it's like whether or not you believe what people are telling you or you believe what your eyes are telling you. And I believe my eyes. I believe my eyes. He is not good enough. He should have been fired after South Carolina. Saturday was I I don't like he's horrible as defensive coordinator. Look, I am not going to make that the story of the game just because you you might call me a dumbass, that's fine. You tell me that Tennessee has created a turnover that got you started on the other side of the 50 and you've given up 22 points. I don't disagree with you one bit. I don't disagree with you one bit. We we forced the turnover. We forced some field goals. I know. We still didn't give up more than 29 points on defense. I know all that. We all all sign up for that performance. I mean, and and Tim Banks was probably under the impression that that's good enough. Now, maybe he should know by now it's not, but it was truly embarrassing. I mean, maybe the rock-bottom moment of the game – instead of our quarterback jawing with people while fumbling and the ball's on the ground. The bottom part of the game for me was giving up a long run that lets them get a field goal of 20 seconds left in the half. Like, that was abhorrent. That was terrible. Yes. yes. They didn't they, – they, they did not even pass they – they weren't even – I don't even know if they were trying to score. They just handed it off, and then he bust one out. I mean, this guy was a walk-on. He was six-string. And he looked like Terrell Davis for the Broncos. Like, that's what they would just, they would do the zone blocking, and eventually he would cut it back, and the lane would be wide open all damn day. It was like a Mike Shanahan, just wait for the cutback. The cutback's going to come, and boom, he's off. They were joking about how he's not fast on the broadcast, and it didn't matter. He was fast looking uh, against our linebackers, especially Herring. I just, I like, I'm, I, like if you don't want to make Tim Banks – the story of the game, I don't disagree with any of that, okay? But I find it hard to believe that anybody that sits there and watches the game with any sort of critical eye walks away thinking that our defense is good enough. Because it wasn't good enough on Saturday from the get-go. Like, I have said before that if they hold them to field goals, that is all you can ask. But it can't be a 20-play drive. That was a 20-play drive that resulted in a field goal. That is not good enough. You cannot have third and long three times and you let Brady Cook run for a first down all three times, one of which is on, like, the the half-yard line. He runs for 25 yards. Like, Joe Milton is atrocious. Everyone knows this. We've talked about it for ye- literally years. He's horrible. He's terrible. He has completely stunted the offense. Saturday was terrible. It blows my mind that our coach 
whose thing is scoring points has hampered his own baby. His baby is his offense. He's kept it from being the best it can be by playing Joe Milton. It's crazy. It's crazy. But Tim Banks has got to go. Yeah, maybe the third down scamper on on the one-yard line was actually the most embarrassing moment. I was going to ask you what you thought the most embarrassing moment was. When was when was Joe Milton arguing on the fumble? Was that the option play? I don't know. I saw people saying it. I, I saw that had to be the one because the one where he gets the ball knocked out of his hand and pushes it 10 yards forward, it didn't look like he was arguing with anybody. But the most embarrassing moment I thought was the twenty, you know, the thirty-five yard scamper. Whenever you know they're clearly going to run it, but there was the the third and eleven, third and ten scramble. Whenever it looks like you're about to get a safety and get back in the game, you know it's fifteen point game. You get a safety, okay. All of a sudden you get the ball back down thirteen, the whole fourth quarter, and you let him just run, scramble. Everyone knew he was going to try to run. He ran and scrambled. But there, there was also a third and like 10, third and 11, where it was a simple four-yard dump down to their six-string running back that you're talking about. And he just gets the corner so easily on Herring and just makes him look like he's running still. Just a simple like dump down, check down, and he just makes our linebacker look like he's standing still and picks up a big first down. That was like in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter. That one was pretty embarrassing too. Yeah. I just, at no point, the game was within reach for a long, 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 long time. And there was zero chance of Tennessee coming back. And that was because both of the offense and because when it came down to it, Missouri could line the ball up and just run it. And we couldn't stop it because we just cannot stop running when they do anything that is slightly, slightly not vanilla. We saw it in Florida. We saw it in South Carolina last year. Well, we saw Alabama just, second just half. quick point there. If you are one of the morons that actually bought into the South Carolina beat us because of the sign stealing, Missouri did a lot of the same things and just moved the ball easily, check downs, motion runs. It looked a lot like the South Carolina game did last year. I know they weren't as explosive scoring touchdowns, but like Seth said, just drive after drive, six-yard play after six-yard play. It looked a lot similar to me in, in terms of the offense they were trying to kind of run. The only stunning thing to me is that nobody's really done exactly what South Carolina did last year, except for Florida this year, I feel like. Missouri didn't really have to. I mean, they added some. It was a little, you know. But I just feel like if you want to score on Tennessee, you, you go in shotgun and you put one man in motion and you hand the ball off. And every once in a while, your quarterback can keep it. And it's game over. What I don't understand, and this is a weird point to belabor, I know, However, Arian Carter is hurt. He's hurt, okay? So you can't play him. Maybe Elijah Herring is better in practice than the other guys. But why do we not, when these players just continually get hammered and hammered and embarrassed and embarrassed, why don't we just throw somebody else in just to see? Why don't we just try Jeremiah T. Lander? He's the son of a coach. Maybe he has high IQ, and that's not me saying he's white. I don't know. Maybe he can play. Why? Like, you know, like, I'm no offense to Marion McDonald, but when he got hurt, I told my dad, I said, you know, I would like Jordan Thomas to play. Why does Ricky Gibson, your future cornerback, not come in until people get hurt? 
Addison Nichols plays left guard, finally. Only because Ollie Lane gets hurt and Andre Carrick is still hurt. Like, why don't we just throw people in? You just throw shit against the wall and see what sticks. I don't get it. It drives me insane. I got Elijah Herring just cannot do it. There's, It is what it is. He tries his hardest. I think everyone can agree with that. But he cannot do it in space, and they knew it. And literally from the very first play of the game was a pass to Schrader. You just had to pick on Elijah Herring. We're not recruiting nearly good enough. We are not recruiting nearly, nearly, nearly good enough. It is the third year, and we still have the same guys playing in the secondary. Like, our defense falls apart because 25-year-old married man Keenan Peely tears his bicep. Was Keenan Peely even an all-Mountain West performer last year? I don't know, but you shouldn't be at that point in year three where your defense falls apart. We are not recruiting nearly nearly well enough anywhere on defense except the defensive line. Wouldn't have, I mean, we have Rodney Garner. Now, we still need some defensive tackles, but you saw young guys were in the game. Young guys are in the game nonstop on the defensive line. Tyree West was in the game early. David Hobbs is playing all the time. Weathersby would be playing if he didn't get hurt. And then you have the two young defensive ends that are really, really good. Both of them are. Joseph's is really good, too. We got young guys all over the place. Everywhere else, the back seven, the recruiting is just not nearly good enough. Offensive line recruiting hasn't been nearly good enough either, but it's gotten a lot better this year. I just, I, I, I came away from the game, like, obviously disgusted with a lot of things. But, like, Milton only has three more games left, and then it's done. We've got to, he's got to upgrade both talent, he's got to upgrade personnel, and he's got to upgrade coaching. Anybody that seriously thinks that Tim Banks is good enough to be making $1.5 million a year, that they are out of their minds. They are licking the salt block. Because he's not good enough. It's not good enough. The players, unfortunately, no offense to them, they aren't like the players that other teams have. There has to be a massive personnel upgrade, and it needs to be a coaching upgrade. The players deserve better than every time they play a team that tries to run the ball from shotgun, they get shredded. These boys got embarrassed on national TV because they haven't been able to figure out just a slightly non-vanilla run game, and it ain't their fault. They deserve better. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, the offense had zero net points. The offense is terrible. The offense is horrible. The offense is atrocious. The offense is beyond excuse. It is beyond excuse. I know you know that. I I was just wanting to point that out. It is, and I know that it's been divided a lot between what people have been complaining about, and I get it. My thing has just been we have three more games with Joe Milton and the nightmare is over, but we don't know how many more games we got with Tim Banks. I still think the defensive performance would have been good enough if the offense didn't shit the bed. For sure. Now, again, I think at this point you have to kind of change your scheme because the offense does suck. The offense isn't going to just roll out and score 30 points like you 
probably expected when you took the job, or at least like you expected coming into the year after watching the offense last year. So yeah, maybe you can't just uh, play that bend but don't break except break sometimes type of defense. I don't know. I, I, so we look clueless on defense. I mean, we looked absolutely clueless. Like Brett Hubs pointed this out on like the long Brady Cook run. It's not like we were playing man where like cornerbacks backs were turned. We were set back in a zone. And like, how does that happen? How does he get 25 yards on third and 10? We look clueless on defense. Is my ass still chapped about nine touchdowns to Shane Beamer last fall? Absolutely. Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. I just, and I agree about bending and don't breaking, but I think a 20-play drive is a little outrageous. No, it is. It is. But, like, that one you still held to a field goal. Yes, we we did we don't we did hold him to a field goal, and I'm saying that's great that we that we bent but we didn't break. But a 20 play drive is out. I mean, come on, come on. I what know, but I'm just saying we've always said if you can hold him to field goals, that's a win. So I just don't want to change it. Like, and I, and I don't want to make Tim Banks the focus because unless he's the one calling the shots, I mean, I guess he would be calling the shots on which linebackers to play because like it's it's painfully obvious, like you said. With Herring, I'm not trying to single him out, but like, there's a reason that like everyone that follows recruiting, even a little bit, thought of him as the throw-in to get the brother on the defensive line, right? Like that—that's how history was, right? Am I right about that? Correct. Who we randomly had in the game early on Saturday. Okay, just checking. I wanted to make sure I was yeah. right about that. But like, yeah, to see him go out there and not be able to take those angles, like if Tim Banks is calling that and making that decision, then yeah, I'm blaming him. But I'm not going to blame the play calls for. Guys not being able to run up and tackle. Like, if you tell me that you're dropped back in zone on third and ten and, like, Brady Cook still scrambles, I'm not going to blame the play call as much as I am at the the, the secondary and the linebackers yeah, for not reacting fast, fast enough. So They need to recruit better. No no argument there. I just don't want to completely sit on Tim because when I'm when I'm ranking the the people to blame, he's just he's not in my top two or three. That's fine. I think Josh Heupel coached like a coward. He did. Like I, it was his worst game. I, I thought from the get-go, and I, I said it on the radio show, I said it at the Discord, like this weekend was was really bad for both of my coaches. I thought Mike Vrabel was a pussy on Sunday, and I thought from the get-go, after a big turnover, to go scream pass, run, run, punt, after they just moved the ball on the you know down the field and like was going to score at least a field goal had you not got that interception, they still moved the ball against you. I thought it was a cowardly punt. I thought, you know, fourth and three, fourth and four from the 40-yard line, you go for that almost every single time. Yep, no argument there. And I thought Hypo coached like a coward. And, you know, I just think that sets the tone. I he think that sets like the tone. And I think that I think maybe if you go out and you're getting some points and you have some confidence, maybe the offense can get a lead and maybe do some things. And I know, you know, they end up getting a 7-3 lead or whatever, but – at that point, a three and out and giving the ball right back, they go down the field again. It just yeah. – uh, I thought I thought Heupel had a really, really bad game. He did. He was horrible. Not he even just horrible. play calls, just game management. He was horrible. I thought terrible. that the – you know, I, I don't like what he does at the end of the first half. I didn't like it against Florida in 2021. I don't like it now where, like, he's trying to just – Keep with the tempo at the at the um, while sacrificing seconds, I guess. Like the play before the Jalen Wright fumble, it was a good play. 
you know, the Jalen Wright fumble was a good call. It would have had you set up. But I thought you should have called a timeout versus letting 15 seconds run off. I thought, you know, you call one of your two timeouts and get focused and just kind of settle down. Would it have worked out? Would we have scored a touchdown had Wright not fumbled? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But in the moment, I thought, hey, like, let's maybe like slow it down. You thought we were going to score a touchdown with 20 seconds I left? I thought we had it clicking a little bit there. From the 20? I mean, maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's nitpicking. I just know at the moment, I was I like, it's, hey. it's impossible to say. I just, I, I don't know. I felt like in the moment, in the moment, I'm not going to say that I felt like we were going to score a touchdown. What I will say is in the moment, I felt like we actually had it clicking. In the moment, I felt like it was going to be just like Kentucky yeah. where you run out of time and have to kick a field goal. Like where you, where you don't maximize your time and like you don't have enough confidence in your offense. I think Heupel was actually like fine with maybe getting a field goal there to tie it. Maybe that's a part of him just kind of saying, hey. I'm sure he was because he doesn't trust the offense at all. Because he doesn't trust the quarterback at all. Well, Which, he coached the first half like he didn't trust in the offense at all. And, you know, maybe he was right. Maybe there's no reason to have confidence in the offense. But, again, I ask, how are we in year three with no confidence in our offense? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's – it's so I think I, I've thought about – I really have stayed away from the UT football channel a lot. Um, your absence has been noted. Because it's just been like, – People are calling you a front runner. Saying that you should be shamed just like the other people of the Milton Militia because I last week – I Milton guy. Last week you became guy. a Milton guy. Last week on the podcast you became a Milton guy. And last he week was on the channel. He was playing better. He was playing better. You got suckered in by the goddamn UConn game. No, You no, saw Joe game, throw one no. pass. He, he threw one slant finally against UConn to Squirrel White, and you were in. Hook, You've line, been sinker. hung up on this. Are you retarded? Sometimes I think you are. It has to, everything to do with after the AM game, they started running him. He was much better. He was oh, much fitter. He was simple. a game Joe manager. Joe runs the ball. Now he's a good quarterback again. He oh, was okay. a game manager. Yeah. He managed really, the game all right, buddy. Yeah, he managed the game all right. He, had a, he did have a nice. You know what makes him, game managing look stretch. really easy? Against Kentucky, when you hand the ball off and Jalen Wright runs for 55 yards, well, or our defensive with, back with, falls down and Nimrod has a wide open touchdown. Now all of a sudden he looks like a game manager. I have an issue with Dylan Sampson getting 17 touches against Kentucky, and he got five five carries, I think. But, no, this is this is obvious nonsense. I was never a part of the Milton Militia. I said, I, if you were going to – like, I, rail, I just absolutely talked as much shit as possible as you could about him for years. So when he has – when he does get better, it would be unfair. You, with someone that has, like, extreme white guilt – should understand my need to appear fair and balanced when we have a black quarterback. Now, even as much as I love Hendon Hooker, my bona fides should be clear here. Is I Hendon Hooker is probably my favorite UT player of all time. I'm just saying. Joe was terrible. I've said for years he was terrible. But the worst possible outcome of this year, I think was having to wonder whether or not last year was a complete and total fluke. And he's opened himself up to that possibility now. We are no longer an elite program. We are no longer trending in the direction of an elite program. We are now back to the middle of the pack, and you are right. That is, you know, I said going into the Florida game, that was what was on the line. That you either had to beat Florida or else I was going to basically – Lose, you're going to lose a lot of goodwill for last season. Yeah, that you're going to kind of be back to where you have to prove it. And we sure enough have not proven it this year. 
I think we're that's back the to worst being possible outcome. Yeah. And here we are. Now we have to wonder. We have to talk about it all nine months. I have to read Tennessee's post for the next nine months calling Josh Joth. I have to read his post asking about the play calling. Like, what the hell do I know, dude? I watched the game from my parents' love seat. I, we know why the play calling sucks. Why are we still asking? It's because of Joe Milton. We got three games left with them, and then it's over. I don't know why Josh decided to Josh decided to take a hatchet to both kneecaps. I don't know why he did. It sounds painful, but he did it. You would think he would want to hand a Corvette to Nico, but here we are. He didn't, and I don't know why. I wish I knew why. I would tell everyone if I did, but I don't. Maybe Josh just watched the game film to Kentucky and UConn and was bought in like you were. Boomer says, we blitz the living shit out of first overall pick Bryce Young, but just sit back in zone and let Brady Cook dink and dunk us to death. Make it make sense. Look, the, the defense is clueless. The defense is terrible. Like, it, it's... it's The defense is awful. They're awful. Joe Milton is awful. Jalen Wright reverted back to his old self. Every wide receiver is hurt. We've wasted Squirrel White. Only Tyler Barron is playing well on defense. I mean, I give Tank credit. He's gotten a lot better, but Tank's out there celebrating when we stopped the two-point conversion. That made me want to load up the handgun and bring it to my temple. It kept it to a 12-point game. It was a big stop. Not as bad as Joe Milton blowing the kisses, though. On oh, by the way, by the way, I would love to know. Like, we need to get Amazon AWS or something in here and tell us the percentage chances of that pass when it left Joe Milton's hands of it being completed. That was the, the luckiest play. Yes, the luckiest play of all season for UT. That ball literally exited the top of the television screen. It's so lucky. And of course, the one time Dante Thornton makes a play, he breaks his ankle off. We had been waiting for him to turn a corner, and he turned it, and they stepped into a bear trap and snapped his ankle off. An amazing play. It was, an, it was an awesome, awesome play for him. He finally got his first touchdown in orange. I cannot believe it was completed. I, I, I truly, I cannot believe that it was completed. That, that being our only points was pretty, was pretty funny. I mean, what do you think the chances of that being complete were? Five, like, less than 5%. Like, The guy was blanketed all over Dante Thornton, who hasn't, who has window panes for hands all season long. Well, that was when he was in the slot, though. Yeah, yeah, it changed as soon as he got moved outside. His attributes got doesn't want to play in a phone 12. booth. He just wants to be free. His attributes went up about twelve percent. His catch rating on uh, NCAA went up to ninety-five whenever he got to the outside. Well, let's get to some patron questions. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. If you want to get access to the Discord, we did a basketball giveaway. Shout out to Tugger for donating some tickets for that. Uh, let's see. Uh, no dog. Are you coming into town for the game sale? As of right now, I think we are, yes. Okay. We, we've been debating it. We've been debating it back and forth. Well, I'm not doing a tailgate or anything. 
So I don't, I don't know blame you. what your plan is. I'm not going out there and getting set up. Maybe we'll all catch each other in March or something for a basketball game. Let's get some questions right quick. Brother OG Matt asks, what is the difference between the current team falling apart in the second half and Pruitt's final team doing the same thing every time we play someone with a pulse? Well, what do you think? I don't remember anything about – okay, the COVID season, I was at the Kentucky game. And after that, all I remember is Jim Chaney running the ball down Auburn's throat with Eric Gray all the way down to the end zone and then deciding to throw it with Jarrett Garantano, and it was a 99-yard pick six. That's about all I remember. I have no idea. I don't really think that Josh and Pruitt are comparable. Yeah, I don't remember any of the second half falling apart outside of Georgia. Obviously, you got your ass kicked against Georgia. They were a better team. I don't, I don't remember anything about Jeremy Pruitt. What do you make of Josh Heibel falling apart in the second half? Um, I mean, I thought that we actually, in the second half Saturday, I mean, it was just a two-touchdown game. I mean, we still, when we backed them up on the one, it was third and ten, and they were on like the half-yard line, and we were down two touchdowns. And you had a chance to get a safety. You had a chance to really pin them, you know. To get the ball back on the 40-yard line. Yep. Or to have D. Williams pop off like you did against – you know, we we were – I know, look, live, I'm not – I still believe that we could have a chance to come back and at least tie the game whenever they were pinned at the one. And, you know, we did end up getting a stop, and we ended up getting the ball back and driving to their side of the field with still enough time, and then Joe Milton had the ball get knocked out of his hands like Josh Dobbs Dobbs did against South Carolina, where you're you're doing the fake RPO or whatever, and you're trying to do a quick pass, and you let the running back knock it out of your hand. Yep. So – That was the moment the game ended, of course. Yeah. I know that it – like live, it felt like to me we didn't have a chance of winning, but we actually were kind of in the game, so I don't really want to say that we fell apart in the second half. Like we did against Alabama. Alabama was an unmitigated, like, tire fire. I don't really think Saturday was. See, I disagree there. I disagree there. That's fine. That's fine. I think we fell apart way more against Missouri than we did against Alabama. Alabama, you could say, hey, if the bullshit fair catch doesn't happen at the one, you know, maybe that half goes a little bit differently. It was a seven-point game with about seven minutes left whenever Joe Milton fumbled and gave up a score. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's fair. That's fair. I'm not saying you played good in that game, but obviously the opponent was different. And, like, you you felt like you kind of got some bad luck. I guess Missouri, I didn't think you really had any bad luck. I just thought you sucked. Yeah, I thought for the the very first play, you fumbled the option to come out of halftime. You sucked the whole game. Yeah. I guess the reason why I would, if I had to, like, try and articulate it is because – the first half, the first drive of the second half against Alabama, they score in two plays, and it was just like, okay, here comes the yeah, no, that, here that comes was bad the boat race. But at um, least you got held, right? That, that was holding on that long touchdown pass where our defensive backs weren't within twenty yards. Tyler Barron got you know choked out or whatever. Our secondary wasn't within twenty yards of the receiver, but he did get held. Brother Tennessee asks, please try and explain to me any valid reasons why Josh Heupel is going to trot Joe out there as a starter on Saturday because we know what he's going to do and it makes no sense. So not only is he going to trot him out there on Saturday, but we've also been told to basically be prepared for him to play senior day against Vandy 
and in the bowl game if it's in Florida, correct? Is that the latest? I haven't seen that. I believe that's the latest from VolQuest is that he is going to play in the bowl game if it's in Florida. Playing him in the bowl game is truly inexcusable. Playing against Vanderbilt is inexcusable. Yes. I, I get that it's senior day, whatever. Maybe that's the only saving grace, I guess. But, like... A, a lot of this would have been avoided if you had done what Jonathan Smith has done with Aiden Childs at Oregon State. Like, you sign the hotshot quarterback out of California, like we did with Nico, and they did with Aiden Childs, and every... Aiden Childs will play, like, the third drive of the game, the fifth drive of the game. He's played the whole season. He's gotten to play in meaningful time the whole season. If you had just done that with Nico, the third drive against Virginia, you play him. You play him the fifth drive against Florida. Just like, let if you had just let him play with the one sum, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. But as of right now, it is a completely wasted season. Playing him against Vandy is just atrocious. It is horrible. Like, It's wild looking at his at Aiden Child's like game log. Yeah, it's fluctuated some. Well, no, it's I'm fluctu- just saying like against Utah, I remember him that game he came in his first pass, 23 yards as his only pass. Uh, against Cal, two for two for 21 yards. Against UCLA, two for two for 16 yards and a touchdown. Against Arizona, two for three for 58 yards. Colorado, 0 for one. Stanford, five for eight. They were kicking their ass, one touchdown. So on the year. 23 of 33, 304 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and three rushing touchdowns. And I would say that you could only really say that two of those games were mop-up duty. And he played in three conference road games. Even if it's just a possession or two, it's still... It uh, still makes a big deal. Yeah, it still reps. It still reps. I mean, you know, like, to, like if you had just done that... I, now, I would argue that what they'd done with Aiden Childs isn't quite enough for what you needed to do with Nico... But even that would have been just a massive, massive upgrade over what we've gotten. It's been a total waste. It's the easiest schedule of my adult life, and we've completely wasted it. It's been a total waste. The only thing that hasn't been a waste about this season has been the tailgates. That's it. Brother Sloth asks, if time remaining in your life was a currency, how much would you pay for everyday items? Diet Coke, phone bill, game slash concert tickets, etc. Have you ever seen the movie End Time with Justin Timberlake? No, I have not. Well, that was basically the premise of that movie. And you had to, you had like a running time on your arm and that was money. Because time was money, like literally. And you had to buy food, it took you, you know, three days off your life or whatever. Oh, wait, I have seen this. I have seen this, yes. Okay. We've talked about it before on the podcast. Yeah, I've seen this, yes. I mean, it just depends on how much time you're getting left. Like, say you get 100 years or, you know, 60 years or whatever it is. And then, you know, if a Diet Coke was worth 10 minutes of your life every time you bought one, would you still buy it? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to know without knowing how much time you have. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But to answer Soda's question about why he's going to play against Saturday, uh, against Georgia on Saturday is because, A, Josh Heupel probably still thinks it's the best reason, uh, the best chance to win. I don't think he wants to hurt Joe Milton's feelings. 
and he does not want to admit defeat that he has been, you know, basically uh, wrong and allow Nico to have a chance to play. And then you'll you'll have people saying you can't throw him in against the number one team in the country. Although I would say there's nothing that could ever be better for your program than to him play well against Georgia. Yeah, for sure. Like I would rather take the chance that Nico would play well and just lose a, lose a game. I don't even care if you lost by two scores, but for him to look good and for him to make four plays against them, that would go so far for your program. Like, you know, we had the question I mean, earlier about Jeremy Pruitt. Jeremy Pruitt at least put Harrison Bailey in there at the end of the year. Jerry Garantano had did more for our program than any quarter than Joe Milton had. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I saw somebody, I saw a tweet about how they were thankful for what Joe Milton has done for the program, but it's time to move on. And I'm just like, I, the, the tweet, it tilted me so bad that I read it out loud to my mom and dad. And my dad's like, he's like not, he's he's been speechless for like, hours at this point my mom has like moved on to like trying to be sweet to me to make me feel better and I'm like mom what has he done I was like what has he done what has he done and you don't really want to like do you think that Penn State should have played Drew Aller last year that way they would have at least known that he was overrated It would have been better for Penn State to go get somebody in the portal instead of doing whatever it is they've been doing on offense this year. And I think that you would have just been better served by playing Nico, obviously. We thought that for months. Brother Thomas asks, please pick your best insult for those that think we should be satisfied with eight and more in a meaningless bowl game. Well, I've tried to... uh, I'm trying not to make John edit as much stuff as normal. I mean, if you are happy with eight and four in a shitty bowl game, good for you. We've said it for a month. If that makes you happy and you can find positives in that, I'm actually maybe a little jealous of you because you seem to be enjoying the football season much more than I have been because I've been pretty much miserable since the second half against Alabama. I didn't have a lot of joy beating Kentucky. Unlike Seth, I didn't really – care about beating UConn the way they did like for Seth it got him fired up for me it was just kind of like eh, we'll wait and see what happens at Missouri we saw what happened at Missouri I don't care about beating Vanderbilt I don't think you're going to beat Georgia I never care about bowl games I didn't even care about the damn orange ball last year really but if you're happy with it and you think it's good and you think eight and four is something to be thrilled with and or to die for or celebrate because it's our second best season in X amount of years, go right ahead. Go right ahead. Just know that, like Seth said, this is the easiest schedule that we've had for as long as I can remember. And that the eight and fours you claim you would have killed for would have included at least probably two wins against ranked teams. This team's best win was either against Jimbo Fisher on the road, he has been fired. I still don't think he won a road game this year in the SEC. I was pretty sure that Mississippi State game was at Texas A&M. Or against Kentucky, who you say we own. Like, that's our best win. If you tell me we go 8-4 and four in any of the years past, that probably means we've at least got one, if not two, wins better than that. We've done nothing this year. It's just no perspective. 8-4 and four two years ago would have been awesome. Because that would have meant we beat Ole Miss. 
and to go eight and four after going eleven and two is uh a little bit different too. Yeah. Whenever it looks like you are about to take the leap. Everybody and that and that's just what's been driving me crazy. Not to rehash the same talking points. But everyone that you know, for the most part is happy with eight and four were the same people on the internet acting like Tennessee was back all offseason. Acting like we had taken some big leap and that Josh Heupel was guaranteed to be the man. He's an elite coach. Blah 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 blah. Now they're all saying it's fine to be eight and four. Like, it's okay. Even, like, progress. Like I don't even think progress is like linear or whatever. And I don't think anybody's arguing that. Nobody expected to go eleven and one instead of ten and two. It's just the schedule was so damn easy, and you signed the number one player in the world, and you did nothing with it. You literally did nothing with it. Not to bemoan the same points, but eight and four, playing your young quarterback to get him ready and get him showcased for the next year, that would have actually been maybe not progress, maybe not progress, but it wasn't a step back, and you took three steps back this year. Would have been pretty badass. And the next time, or the first time this offseason, that someone points out that Nico doesn't have any game reps, so we can't expect him to play well, or we make excuses, or we talk about the offensive line, or we blame all these other things, I'm going to lose my mind. Because yeah. that's what this year should have been for. For sure. I don't want to hear one thing about going to Norman, Oklahoma next year. It is not an excuse to lose that game. Tennessee should not lose that game. I do not care. I do not care that they are like 8-2 and two or whatever. They play in a terrible, terrible conference. I don't care that they beat Texas. There is no reason to roll into Norman, Oklahoma and lose. I don't care what anybody thinks. And you, you can't say it's because your quarterback didn't get play. Him ready. You had the entire year to get him ready for that game. After you lost to Florida, that game is the only thing that matters because that game gets you in the playoffs if you win. You could have had him reps in the swamp the entire second half. You could have had him reps at Alabama. Now, you know, I don't know at what point you would have put him in in the actual Alabama game, but he could have been playing before then and gotten to play against Alabama. It still would have been a loss most likely, but it was already a loss. So, yeah, that sucks. That sucks that our quarterback hasn't gone on the road that our quarterback's going to be starting from scratch. Hell, who knows? The North Carolina State game next year might be a little bit of a trap game. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? That's why I call it a wasted year, because we don't know. We don't know what our quarterback looks like in these situations. Brother Reese asks what the expectation for next year is now. Do we have a minimum record or something like Nico looks good enough? No, that the latter is not enough, no. Nico looking good is not enough. No, That would have been enough this year. I mean, a minimum expectation for what? To, like, not be mad at Josh Heupel? Because, like, 9-3 and three is about a snap reaction there that we go, better go at least 9-3. and three. I expect to be in games in November that are, that are playoff elimination games like Saturday would have been. That is what I expect. That is what I expect going forward. Yeah, 10-2 ten and, ten and becomes... You survive and you're in the playoff mix as long as you don't have that third loss. So, yeah, we should be playing in November with only two losses. Most years going forward, I expect us to be playing in games like we just got out of where the loser is done and the winner is in. That is what I expect. And I think that is completely and totally fair. Jonas wants to know, does Josh go after a portal quarterback this offseason? He can try, but nobody's going to come. Yeah, it'd have to be like a Keller Christ type. 
who just wants to keep playing football long enough to pay for a school that is fine with being the backup, that is like transferring up, hoping to be like, hey, I, I really like Josh Heupel's type of offense, and I want to get in line to be a grad assistant. Yeah, like the th- here's the thing. Kind of like what... remember how Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew said he was trying to do that with like yeah. Mike Leach. Like he was kind of yeah. just wanting to get into coaching afterwards. This is the what one of the points I kind of tried to make after the UConn game was that like Gaston Moore playing is actually valuable. It just should not come at the expense of Nico. I had zero issue with Gaston Moore playing at UConn. It's just Nico should have gotten more than double the amount of drives he got. Nico should have played in the first quarter against UConn, and you can let Gaston Moore have, like, the, the fourth quarter or whatever, because Gaston Moore is going to be, like, you're not going to get a transfer quarterback, but you're going to still have Gaston Moore, who knows the offense, and, you know, front and, cent- like, you know, he knows the offense. Like, that's why I didn't mind Gaston Moore playing. It just shouldn't come at the expense of Nico, because I don't know how you're going to get a quarterback in the portal. It's going to be Gaston Moore, second string or third string, probably third string. But I didn't really have an issue with Gaston Moore playing. I had an issue with the timing of it. Yeah, I still don't know if I trust Gaston Moore to be our official backup quarterback, but I don't think like he you're, will. I think yeah, that's why I'm saying like you probably yeah. try to find some type of backup quarterback. I mean, if 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 what's his name from Oklahoma State transferred to Ole Miss. Yeah. Surely somebody will be willing to come, just be at UT, be at a school like that, and, like I said, get involved with, uh, you know, maybe Josh Heifel's offense and try to parlay that into coaching or something. I'm going to go out on a limb and and venture a guess that this is not what Spencer Sanders signed up for. No, but he still did it, and he knew there was going to be competition there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not like he went somewhere that nobody was there. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, t- Tommy, what, what what's his name from, uh, I've already forgotten his name, not Tommy Reese, of course, that's the coordinator, but whoever the quarterback was from Notre Dame that transferred to go sit behind Milrow and yeah, compete with yeah. the five-star Simpson, like, there'll be somebody that's a backup at another school that, like, comes and be a backup somewhere else, you know? Just my yeah. opinion. No, Chip Kelly's getting fired, by the way. Yeah, I saw that report saying he's going to get fired after the USC game. Likely yeah. to get fired. I don't know what that means, but. Maybe I just can't fully commit to it. Any thoughts on Chip Kelly? Any thoughts on Jimbo on the way out? No. I mean, no. I just – I wonder when what happened Saturday has happened where, like, a team wins by, like, four-plus touchdowns and both coaches get fired. I wonder when the last time that happened was. Pretty uh, Mississippi funny. State had to do it. Mississippi State had to do it. Zach Arnett was a total disaster. Mississippi State yeah. beating Arizona is, like, one of the bigger upsets of the season. Yeah, it was absolutely wild. They let him just kind of bring in his whole on staff and try to, like, remake everything. Yeah. Uh. But, yeah, Jimbo getting Rogers. all that money after a big win is pretty funny. I like how he just went straight to the ranch after the game. He didn't, like – he just, like, ignored the recruits and just went straight to his ranch. Good for him. $76 million. Good for Texas A&M. I mean, I don't think it's nearly the job they think it is, but good for them. It'll be interesting to see what they get. All right, time to get like off Jeff here. Trailer. Go watch. Go ahead. I hope it's like Jeff Trailer, the UTSA coach. I hope it's something like that, just so they can be disappointed. 
Time to get off here and go watch our basketball team, who is very, very good. Dalton Connect, shout out to him. Oh, we're playing Wofford tonight, aren't we? Yeah, we are, but you still get a chance to watch Tennessee play basketball. All right. And for right now, it's fun. Oh, you don't like these games? You don't want to watch the Vols? No, no, no. I was just thinking, no, no. I'll watch it. Oh, okay. You don't sound very excited to watch future All-American Dalton Connect out there. No, he's awesome. He's awesome. He's First-round awesome. pick. Maybe even Final Four most outstanding player. You never know. Yeah, well, okay. He looks like an NBA player to me, right? He's an NBA player. Okay, all right. I'm just... He's an NBA player. He's six six. He can shoot. He can drive. He's athletic. Now, like, you know, I'm not saying he's like an NBA starter. And his age isn't going to, like, maybe keep – you know, he's not going to be a lottery pick. Yeah. But how much teams value size and shooting and the fact he has some pop, you know, as he as he showed dunking on Michigan State's team, I would be shocked if he is not a late first-round, early second-round pick. At the very least, he's Duncan Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin sense. Herter. I mean, Kevin Herter is, a you know, a mid-round pick, so maybe he's not going to be that good. But, like, he is he's going to have a spot in the NBA. Yeah. All right. I was love- just curious for your thoughts because he seems like an NBA player to me. Love you, buddy. Talk to you later. I love you, too. All right. Bye-bye. What am I going to do when I get over you? What am I going to be when you're just a memory?